Mike Kissarm. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 180 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ, and we've got an international panel representing today from Japan, Alan Balish on the board. Welcome back, sir. Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. And from Sweden, Daniel in the sunshine, for those of you... Oh, yeah. San Francisco, it's 54 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius, but it's bloody cold. Um, and of course, the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard Count. Good to see you again. Hello. All right. So before we get into today's topic, just go through our little uh, little uh, pieces of news. Ace played Milwaukee last night. News out of there is that it was a fantastic show, obviously. So hopefully his monitors were working, which it sounds like they were. Um, tomorrow, Las Vegas is the... The Vault with Gene Simmons with special guest Starchild, which is very cool. Even more interesting is the uh, Phantom, Kiss Meets the Phantom book is apparently back on and happening. And there is a Facebook group dedicated to it. And there'll be lots of news about what is happening. This was announced years ago. It was going to be called Easy Cat, man. They are serious. And I was absolutely fascinated by the prospect of everything that could possibly be known about that movie and the project and possibly the mm-hmm. era uh, being published up as a work. It's nothing I would ever touch as a topic. So I was like, hell yeah, someone else is going to do something really interesting. <laughs> so I look forward to that. I look forward to see what, seeing what Ron is going to do with it and how that is going to you know, reach market. And I'm sure it'll be very interesting to all the KISS fans out there. It is, of course, KISS 78 right before the solo albums all right so uh recent acquisitions ken you bought anything added anything into your collection recently well the only thing i got was when it was limited i think you've seen it once john but uh um there's limited edition on the kiss online and i i, I don't usually buy these type of things but i thought oh it's kind of cool looking and it represents an album i like so uh it's the a jacket this is the back of the jacket this is the uh the one with the gold pack. That you know, looks so nice. Over I love that. Deal. And uh, has a just a KISS logo, you know, on the front here. Front breast gold. Again. And then the, you know, inside lining is the oh yeah the icons of the, you know. The emojis, I think those are. Is that what they call them, emojis? I, but, no, uh, I have no idea, but it sounds anyway, better than icons. I thought it was kind of cool, so I thought, uh, maybe I'll... I'll get that one. <laughs> so add it to my collection. Well, I continue to not buy much stuff, but in Indy, I did mention I did buy one thing, and it is, of course, the Eric Carr bobblehead 1980 Fox, which will sit proudly next to the other bobblehead I already had, which was, of course, Eric Singer. So that's all I've added. Daniel, what have you, what's happened in your collecting world recently? Uh, well, you know, back in the day, I um, used to try to get news about KISS because they didn't write a lot in Swedish magazines. So I remember emailing every KISS fan club I know, knew about. So I have a lot of old uh, letters and I, my, I, I managed to get hold of, you know, KISS Firehouse. So 
that was a uh, mm. su- su- subscriber to that one, and also Strike Magazine. And lately I've been trying to collect um, magazines from that era, you know, 92 to 95. There were a lot of KISS fanzines. And my latest acquisition is actually one that's called, I'm sure you've seen it, but it's called KISS Hell. Hell from Australia, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm not sure where 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 I got it from because I I bought it on the Swedish uh, uh, what do you call it the Swedish eBay sort of. Mm. Uh, but it's, I, I enjoy reading about uh, my, my uh, the years when I was really really into Kiss. My Kiss, uh, you know, when when Kisteria was at, at its its height for me. So there are a few review. Yeah, it could be from Australia because they have a great review of. Uh, you know the gigs Kiss did in '95 in Australia. So this is the things things I, I really like to collect at this time. So I try to find you know obscure Kiss fan scenes that I haven't read from back in the day. And this was actually quite good, and a lot of good pictures. I don't know if you see it, but a few photos from uh, their shows in Australia. That's really awesome. And I haven't seen some of them before. So and you're collecting stuff from you know. The early 90s. Fanzines rule. I mean, there were were so many. I mean, Kiss Sacrifice, Kiss Force, Kiss Fire. uh, I I mean, Kissaholics. I mean, the the list of Classics. LF in Japan. Collectors Network. I I also got one from the UK that was quite good. Yeah, there there was a good one in the UK as well. I don't remember. It was Kiss a girl crazy. running. Yeah, Kiss, Kiss crazy. crazy. Yeah, that's that's the one. I got one mm. of those as well. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I regret. I used to have a couple hundred fanzines, and I got rid of them <laughs> when I started getting rid of everything. So you yeah. know, I, I figured I didn't need like 90 copies of LF magazine just taking up space. Why not? <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't need LF magazine? Well, all I could all I could do with those ones, Alan, was look at the pictures. It was really tough. There, there was, you know, what was great was there were so many interviews that these fanzines did back then with band mm-hmm. members and people associated with the band that now doesn't happen. So that was really, you know, a great source yeah. for research. Alan, what about you? Have you added anything into your collecting world recently? Oh yes, yes, yes. I was in. Uh, I went to a shop uh, earlier this week. And it looked like uh, an ex-Kiss fan just dumped everything in that shop. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to uh, to walk in and, uh, yeah, I did find a couple of very nice things. Can't show everything because you told me we only had we only had to do a bullet point style. <laughs> but um, so topical, topical, uh, I got uh, a Japanese oh songbook for Kiss Unmasked. Wow. In absolute mint condition. Oh, wow. So oh, that's are, beautiful. Um, Music music sheets inside for uh, vocal, guitar, keyboards, bass, and drums. Nice. Um, it had also um, this magazine, Young Guitar with Ace on the cover, from September 1979. Nice. Um, got a. Actually, let's Japanese make let's comic. make this all let's make this whole show about what you bought this week. This is. <laughs> Here is a, a Japanese. Uh, very pretty rare uh, magazine called Rocks from 1978, and the, for the rest you'll have to pay, as someone would used to say. 
I, I think I'm probably going to hear it in the comments. Why didn't you let Alan continue showing what he bought in that store this week? And uh, I'll be saying, yeah, why did I do that? Because that's very, very cool. I love the Unmask uh, music book. Those are very collectible. Yes, yes. I, you, you, don't, you don't find um, songbooks that much. And this one is complete. So all the none, none of the pages are missing. It, it was really well uh, kept probably never used of course but um so it's always nice to find find these things and luckily in japan most items are in f fantastic condition so it's always a pleasure to find new stuff to find a kiss some something related to kiss on a shelf you just go whoa and it's it's, it's mm -hmm. exciting i i really can't explain i i ne it never gets old yep that's wonderful well let's get into today's topic and you know, we're into the month of May. We're now towards the end of the month of May, May the 25th. We're taping this show, which is, I believe, the anniversary of the release of Kiss Killers and Peter Chris's solo album. I think that came out either at the end of May or maybe the beginning of June. So we're right around that time. Obviously, Lonnie, yes, I will give tokenism towards you and say, yes, Revenge came out in May. As did, yeah, Alive, as did, I believe, Alive 3. Um, but we're going to talk about two albums that came out in this month, pretty much a year separated from each other, starting in May 1979 with the release of Dynasty. And I'm going to channel my inner Paul Stanley here for a moment and say, and for our Australians out there, Dynasty, um, <laughs> followed the following year, of course, was uh, Kiss Unmasked. So, you know, these are two Kiss albums that really started to step the band away from their hard rock roots i mean even the stuff on alive 2 studio side was a lot heavier in terms of its production sound or mm -hmm. values than what started to emerge with dynasty and then i guess become fully represented with unmasked a much more accessible pop rock i uh, hate that term but um you know, so so I think we've asked the question, you know, what was the reason for this change? But let's just do a quick overview of your relationships with this this album. I mean, Daniel, in Scandinavia, these were massive, massive albums, uh, particularly Unmasked, I believe. Um, where do they kind of sit from your cultural background in the KISS catalog? Well, well you know, I'm a bit too young, actually, for... Because I got into Kiss back in uh, somewhere around 84, 85. But uh, if you look back at uh, what the magazines in Sweden wrote and the concert reviews, I don't know if it was that big of a hit, actually. And if you look at the, you know, the, what do you call it, the charts, it didn't really enter the top ten. None of the albums did. It was rather lick it up that made Kiss huge in uh, Scandinavia. Um, lick it up, Animalize and Asylum were all, I think, top five or top ten albums in in Sweden. But uh, I actually, when I knew I was going to do this episode, I, I, I read a few old uh, reviews of Kiss concerts because they did, the, you know, they did the European tour in 1980, and uh, they played Sweden. And a couple of thousands showed up. I think they had like 3,000 and 3,300 in uh, Stockholm or, or maybe it was Gothenburg. They played two shows in Sweden. Uh, so they weren't really massive, so to speak. And um, reading the reviews is actually quite fun because uh, this is a time when Kiss was, you know, 
starting to become like a yoke to people. And it's really obvious in the interviews because uh, uh, they refer to Kiss as silly, you know, past their peak. Uh, and uh, the, the mystery is sort of gone, you know. Uh, uh, so that's one side of the story. The other side of the reviews mainly deal with uh, how the KISS fans uh, are at concerts. They're violent, drunk, <laughs> and totally out of it, and not very good people. So the reviews are kind of fun to read because half, the, half of the interview is about how silly KISS is. They can't play the instruments, and they should quit. And the other part of, of the reviews are like, the fans are fucking nuts. And uh, they are just young drunks and alcoholics. So <laughs> I had a fun time reading the interviews. Really? And they really didn't chart that well in Scandinavia, if you, if you look it up. So I don't know. They weren't really huge, even though they decided to tour Europe. But I guess that was mostly because they couldn't tour America. So they tried different markets. Um, so, and, and there, no one cares about the unmasked album over here. Uh, even though I was made for loving you is one of the biggest hits in Sweden. Uh, and people know about that song, but, but I guess that's about it. Nobody know, knows about sure knows something or, you know, the other talk to me or, 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 or those songs, but I was made for loving you is like, you know, if I'd say the three biggest songs in Sweden, or Rock and Roll Night, uh, Heavens on Fire, and then I would actually say I was made for loving you. So those three are, people know them. But that's like uh, what's left from those two albums over here. I was made for loving you. The rest is forgotten. Right. So from a Swedish perspective, just to, to give you the raw numbers, obviously you weren't a fan until, I mean, you, you, you told us a story about the Animalized Tape and Asylum, you know, becoming your first album. Um both albums hit number 17 in Sweden. Yeah. And and it's always, you know, good for those who aren't aren't familiar with the the area. Norway, you know, next door, number 1 it, for Unmasked. It was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, it, it did the album did do well in, you know, when we then lump you all in and call you Scandinavia uh, and apologies, then, you know, regionally it was very strong. Let's go around the world to Japan. And actually, where were you, where were you in 1980? Oh, I was in my native Belgium. That's and, um, oh, it was number one there too. So. Yes, yes. Um, I discovered Kiss with Dynasty. So to oh, me, oh, Dynasty okay. is... Without Dynasty, there wouldn't be anything. And so the reason was that, indeed, uh, I Was Made For Loving You was a smash hit in Belgium, oh. Benelux. Uh, I, I did a little research um, earlier today about this. Um, I was made full of new enter the charts mid July. It was number one for two weeks. It was number two for three weeks. So it was the summer of 1979. You heard I was made full of new on the on the radio ev pretty much every day. And the first time I saw really Kiss moving was with the the video I was made full of new and. That's I became obsessed with that with with the band with, uh, ever since uh, Dynasty was uh, the LP I got for my birthday as a little kid. So to me, 
Dynasty is uh, is a very big album for me. And so the song I was meant for love in you, in in France I, as well. France they were on the charts for I think 17 weeks. Um, a bit later after after the summer, it started later in France. They were number two for five weeks, number three for four weeks, number five for one week. So they were they were very strong top ten. Sold over 600,000 copies. So when you talk about Kiss in Belgium and France, most people would think they are one hit wonder that you know that crazy band in 1979. Uh, because before that, nobody nobody really knew who who they were. So Kiss really became a household name in Europe and Benelux, France, uh, Ger- uh, maybe Germany. We'll talk about later. But I was made for loving you is the uh, the song that um, maybe turned things around for Kiss. Uh, worldwide so it's a very very uh song very close to my heart yeah and of course uh the belgian version of that single is the one that is the one of the biggest challenges for any single collector to add to their collection one of the rarest uh in the world so you know just a and there it is yeah that's a, that's a, a br- brutally tough one to add wow. so you know i had 400 and something singles at one point i never found yeah. them Never. But you know the funny part when I was when I never knew this single existed when I was in Belgium. Uh-huh. That's how, that's good. that's how rare it is. Even someone yes. in Belgium didn't know yes. it existed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that's that that's the single I got that's, when I was yeah, 5 years I've old. Had like four that's different the versions one. of okay. that. So. That's the one uh, made in France. So yeah, you're right. The, that Belgian single is uh, is is extremely rare. All right, let's go to Ken on this for the uh, the West. Oh, were you on the West Coast at that time? So for that perspective, I was on the West Coast for two years at that time. I had been California for two years, so uh, and that's where I started. You know, I think the yeah the first year I moved here, that's when I got into Kiss in California right. um, through friends um, in '77. So yeah, it comes around after you know I start getting the kiss and then I get the solo albums and all that stuff and I'm still still building my back catalog I guess and uh hadn't seen them live yet um and then here comes you know finally a, a new album uh coming out um Dynasty and and I was lucky enough you know to go on go see the tour the show for that uh too but which is great um but yeah it was a change um I thought it was kind of weird that they were doing the I was made for a loving you disco thing. Um, I know to me it wasn't too much of a shock because, again, I was pretty early in the kiss, uh, you know, ranks or what you want to call it. But um, to me, it wasn't that too weird because other other artists were doing it. They were doing the disco thing. Rolling Stones. Right on, miss you and 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 Rod Stewart and so on. Uh, they all did all. Everyone seemed to do one song just to say, okay, yeah, I can do disco too, and which is what Paul Stanley thought, you know. Everybody follow. Everybody followed Abba. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> Dancing Queen. There you go. So, <laughs> thank you, Abba. Um, but uh, you know, the rest of the album, the music uh, on these were. You know, more, you know, I call it some kind of pop rock. Some people could call it mainstream rock, but I think it's a little bit less than mainstream rock. Um, uh, 
especially Unmasked. So, yeah, I liked them when they came out. I enjoyed the music. Um, what would have been interesting if Kiss would have been, since, you know, Daniel or uh, was talking about, you know, I Was Made for Loving You was such a huge thing over there. Uh, and they were pretty much unknown or no one cared about them. Imagine if Kiss did a full album of disco on dynasty or something like that i mean that would have been just i mean kiss probably would have lost a lot more fans had they uh, done something like that but you know i as an overall i i still enjoy the albums um maybe they're not my favorite but you know it, they're still there's still good music on there i'm curious with you in particular because i we know that you came into the band and alive too so Yes. Alive 2 studio side was the new material for you. So you're someone who was a fan of the band in the transition from Alive 2 through the solo albums to Dynasty. You know, so mm-hmm. what is your reaction to comparing the style of the music on Alive 2 studio side through the solo albums into what was presented for the most part on Dynasty? There's only one song that we could call disco rock or, sure. or pop rock yeah. or, or anything like that everything else is pretty much uh, straightforward yeah i the deal is um i understood the change I, I could see what they were trying to do they were trying to get uh radio airplay hit singles uh with this type of music because let's face it am radio did not play hard rock music really you know maybe you got boston and stuff like that um but Kiss was trying to go there to get something extra that they didn't have, um, you know, didn't have before um, the real big, huge hits. Um, but for me, it wasn't a big deal that they did this or toned down their guitars. As long as the music was good to me was the most important thing. And I come from a background of, a, you know, a, a wide range of music. <laughs> I mean, I listened to, you know, easy listening all the way to the heaviest stuff, you know. So it was okay. As long as I got good music, you don't have to st- stay in that style of music. Like, for instance, ACDC, where every album is pretty much going to be the same. You know, you get, you know what you're going to get on a- every ACDC album. Um, but I think variety, like I said, variety is the spice of life. So I think that variety that kissed through in there was good, but maybe not necessarily as far as keeping their fans that came up with them at the beginning who were expecting the hard rock. Alan, how, how about you? I mean, was it the right decision, do you think, for the band to be making at the time to start trying to broaden their their appeal? And, and why do you think they made changes to their style with Dynasty and, and started that down that path? Well, it it has to be the right decision because you look at the numbers and and I know say well it's not everything but yes it is everything they the Europe opened and Australia opened uh, to to them for with 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 those albums so it I I don't see it as a I never thought it's a it's a problem I think it's an it's a it's an issue you you look at it with 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 hindsight I think it's just a natural progression and uh, they. You know, Ace was more comfortable writing material after his success solo album. Some very catchy songs. Hard Times is a, is a cool song. Save Your Love is a cool song. 2000 Man is is an interesting um, 
um, cover song, but they're, they're great songs. Magic Touch is a great song. I Was Made For Loving You is a great song. You, maybe if you, you come from uh, Dress to Kill or, or Rock and Roll Over, you see mm. a big change. But if you discover Dynasty, you're six, seven years old. That, that's it. You, it is, it's definitely the right decision to me. My, I regret it because I was six or seven years old and in America and I didn't discover Dynasty. So, so, so there you go. You, you've been, you've been you go. actually, Alan, you've been uh, branding about some uh, numbers today. So I've got my numbers up as well, just as a, a contrast. Mark, who's not here, is of course from Canada, and Kiss's catalog was selling roughly 100,000 copies per album in Canada. Dynasty comes along, boom, double that, 200,000. Uh, mm -hmm. Mexico, another good example, they're selling for roughly 40,000 units per title. Uh, come along to uh, Dynasty, 171,000. Uh, mm -hmm. Australia was, you know, thir 35 uh, to 50-ish on each of its studio albums before, you know, up to 75,000. So, you know, in, in many markets, the shift was, you know, whether it was because Kiss was reaching its zenith or had reached it by that point is represented in kind of the sales that were going on in many markets. Daniel, the, the music, I mean, who is, who is the winner on Dynasty? I mean, which one of the band members other than Peter Chris were really coming through? And Anton. start who Anton <laughs> big <laughs> touche. <laughs> no, uh, I was having a question. Is it true that charisma was a big hit in Mexico? No, no, because I, I, Gene well, claims it. Well, you know, I, I don't think you could yeah, call it a big hit. It was certainly used as the B side. They performed it yeah. live on the <laughs> Apple, I think, what was it, Appaloosa or whatever the Elder Error uh, TV yeah. broadcast was. So yeah. what, was it a big hit? I, I don't see the numbers, and I actually I don't have the sales figures right in front of me for that single. Uh, it's it sold a shitload. I mean, two, I think it was two hundred fifty thousand off the top of my head. Um, but if you if you ask Mexican fans what the biggest song they will say charisma i've heard yeah. it on the cruise yeah yeah really? they said you know, if yes and i think they played it when the, with the gene simmons band played charisma and, oh, and yeah. they went they went nuts <laughs> yes yes so ask mexican fans what the biggest kiss song and they will say charisma. okay so so there's pretty, there's some truth funny. to it yeah some in truth a way yes in a way yeah mm -hmm. julian what what was your question once again the music. I mean, what what is the music that really stands out on Dynasty as the artist who was coming from the transition through the solo albums and really starting to dominate on Dynasty for you as a listener? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, you can't. Peter Chris was sort of out of the band to some extent, at least at this point. So he didn't really con contribute that much. You have Dirt Eleven, but that's about it. Not one of my favorites. And uh, Paul Stanley, you know, Paul Stanley delivers the goods. I was made for loving you. Uh, sure know something. Magic touch. Yeah. Is that on, that's on Dynasty. It's not on. Yes. on yep, yeah. Yep. So I think he delivers great songs. And to me, I was made for loving you has always been one of my favorites. But mainly because I got Alive 3, which I know Alan don't like that much. But the version on uh, Alive 3 was the one that I really, mm. you know, that I really liked. Even That's though amazing. it's it's 
it's recorded at a sound check. That's the way uh, I like I was made for loving you. You know, mm-hmm. I was made for loving you uh, sounding like heavy metal or hard rock. I think it's great. And the first time I viewed one of the concerts from Detroit, you know, in 1990 on the Hot in the Shade Tour, I was blown away. I was totally blown away by the way I was made for loving you sounded because I hadn't really liked it before I watched those uh, bootleg tapes. But then I saw the potential, you know. So I guess the sound of Dynasty, the, the production is what... You know, I don't like that much. It to me, it's a bit too. I I understand why they did it. You know, ABBA was the big thing back in '78, so they tried to you know ride the wave, so to speak, and they did for a lot of years after that. You know, they became sort of followers in '79 instead of being leaders. So that's my main problem with Dynasty Unmasked. Suddenly, it seemed like they were trying to follow others instead of just following their heart. You know, up to the, to that point, they recorded whatever they felt like. Maybe you can say that uh, Destroyer was a step, you know, trying to sound like something else. But other than that, they just play their music the way they wanted it to sound. But in 79, they started to stray away from that and listening a lot to other people. And I don't know how much, how much the producer had to do with Dynasty and Unmasked, you know, Vinnie Poncia. But uh, I didn't really like the sound. But the music, Paul Stanley's songs are great. Ace Frehley's songs are great. Uh, I don't know about Gene. He started to drift off by this, by this point, I think. Even though I really love Charisma, like Mexico. I like charisma, but other than that, I don't think he submitted a lot, lot of tunes that did anything for the album. If you've had a great Gene Simmons walking in and delivering maybe two or three great songs, that album would have killed. But for me now, there's something missing, and Unmask is even worse. I know I, I, I really don't like Gene Simmons' songs on that, even though Ace Frehley does a lot of great songs on that album and Paul Stanley still brings it even but 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 to a lesser extent I wouldn't say that you know easy as it seems or uh, is that you is uh, as good as I was made for love you and sure know something but Dynasty well a good album unmasked unmasked not so much so uh, you, Alan raised the point about uh, the popularity of charisma in Mexico, and I was able to quickly find the memo cool. that has the sales figures from September 1981 of assorted Mexican EPs and 12-inch. So I was made for loving you. The EP, that's the 7-inch one, sold 252,000 copies in Mexico. Uh-huh. Uh, from its release in 1979 through September 1981. That is insane. Um, mm. The 12-inch, I Was Made for Loving You, Backed with Charisma, an additional 121,000 copies. And then of the Dirty Living, yep, that's the one. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's one of 252,803 that existed. <laughs> one in Japan. <laughs> well, uh, I'm point. hoping... Uh, 
I hope he'll play charisma this weekend because I'm going to see Gene this weekend. Oh, nice! Awesome. You're you're going yeah. to you're doing the vault, right? And that's on June the third. Or are you going the, the going to the show? Grenalund. The Grenalund. You know Grenalund? Yes. Classic place for kiss. Back in '76, you know. Yeah. I hope. I'm going to the Grenalund, seeing seeing Gene Simmons. Yeah. And I, I've said it before because when I went to see the Gene Simmons band, that was I wanted to hear charisma. That was kind of mm-hmm. the one. And then the yeah. last the last uh, statistic from Mexico on the Dynasty releases was the Dirty Living 12-inch had sold uh, just under 10,000 copies. That's a lot mm-hmm. for a limited market such as that. So I, I think, Alan, that completely buttresses your point that it was very popular in Mexico. Yes, and you know, um, since, we, since we, men- we can mention Japan, because I live here, Um when I interviewed the the director of Victor uh, for my book a couple of years ago, he told me the, the the biggest seller for Kiss in Japan was Dynasty. Not not even Rock and Roll Over after after their '77 tour or, or anything else. It was Dynasty. I was made for loving you again. This, that single uh, carried the album uh, worldwide, and um, you. Um, you just can't deny it. It's uh, also I, uh, I found this, you know, music life on the cover, Kiss on the cover. We, Japan is often mentioned with Kiss for 77, 78, but the, the success continued through 79. It's just not that um, maybe popular with uh, the rest of the fans worldwide. But you you can still find a lot of things about Kiss in 1979 in Japan. So. I was made for loving you, saved kiss, I should say. And in in Japan at the time, they were transitioning from Victor to Polystar. Yes, the fir- uh, Dyn- um, Unmasked was the first album on uh, on Polystar. That's correct. What do you know about that? I'm I'm, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent. What do you, what do, what do you want to know? <laughs> you know what happened to Victor essentially because no, they they not. had uh, you know been releasing distributing Casablanca. Yes. Since 1975, I believe. That's right. And July 25th. I know, I know there was a contraction happening worldwide as Phonogram tried to bring all, you know, limit the number of different companies. Like in France, there was Vogue distributing, you know, uh, every, That's right. in, in other markets, EMI was still handling the catalog. And in Japan, of course, there weren't that many companies, were there, that Casablanca could be. So do you know why they, they moved from Victor to Polystar? Yes, it was a uh, it was a um, poly um, phonogram polygram uh, decision worldwide uh, when they resigned in uh, I think January 19, 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, the Japanese company named uh, Nippon. That's another Nippon Phonogram. So the 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 Polystar branch the. Um, Polygram branch of Japan, Nippon Phonogram, um, was established in the beginning of the year, and because of the the contract, which so Polygram bought Casablanca, the um, the franchises and the, the other companies had to um, give the uh, the masters to the company that was affiliated with uh, with Polygram worldwide, and in Japan it was Polystar. Mm. 
All right, who, who quickly reissued a, a few singles. But, you know, getting back to talking about the, the music on Dynasty, for you, Alan, I mean, Vinnie Poncia, what are your thoughts on him as a producer and what he did with the material? They're coming off four solo albums where you had Sean Delaney, Eddie Kramer, Jeff Glicksman all in the picture, and then Gene and Paul, obviously, so and Ace all co-producing. Did they need an external producer at that point? And do you think that what did he bring to your mind to the table musically? Musically, well, uh, I think the musicality and the, maybe the, the that that sound. Vinny Poncia was actually a successful producer. He he produced Ringo Starr before Peter Chris, right? So he was he was a kind of a kind of a heavyweight or middleweight maybe already. So not just I don't think he was brought just because of of the Peter Chris situation. So he yes probably got along very well with uh, with with Paul, which is what's the most important apparently. And um, that's uh, I think that's th- that's it. I um, don't I, I don't know what what it would have sounded differently, um, either Dynasty or or Unmasked. I think you know they were right right for the time. Just I, I don't I like to to rewrite history so much. What oh, do you think? Yeah, I mean a- absolutely. We're we're, we're not going to try and rewrite history, and and trying to do so isn't right. I mean, listen to the Gene Simmons demos of Charisma and X-ray Eyes on the Vault, and to my ears, they sound very similar to his demos of Almost Human. And really, the, oh, the, I would love to hear that. And, and the stuff on mm-hmm. uh, you know Alive too. They sound the same style the same kind of execution um mm. they're just very they're polished nicely for my ears and and, and taste the yeah. the production on dynasty is not overstated so in, in that sense it's not a ron nevison uh treatment no. where, where it's tried to be made something that perhaps it is not and that's that's not a dig on ron nevison that's just that i don't think the material was ever meant to be like heart or sound like Heart, or the Sonics of Heart. Mm-hmm. Kiss needs to sound like Kiss and have a little bit of an edge. He took all the edges off. Vinny, on the other hand, came from a pop background. I mean, he was a songwriter. Yeah. He'd worked with artists, you know, very much in the lighter realm. I believe Melissa Manchester is one. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was also a very successful writer in his own sense, so he was able to bring more of a, a, a taste to arrangement. You know, I, I don't understand... And I'd love to ask Paul, what did Vinny contribute to the songs that he has a co-writing credit with Paul Stanley on? Because, again, Paul Stanley always brought very fully formed songs to the to the sessions that didn't take a lot of adjustments. So, you know, there are questions for me about that. I, you know, I, I love the sound of Dynasty. I think it sounds fantastic. It's kind of quite interesting to to listening to the I was made to I was made for loving you sessions when you hear them, you know juggling ideas i guess Vinny is there if, if you listen to those tapes isn't it well they're trying out i was made for loving you yeah which which is hardly yeah. surprising on a song that is no. so different from anything the band has done yeah. while paul and desmond may have written an essence of a song getting it to work with and peter's involved at that point isn't he you can hear him complaining i think in one part he's calling out for cigarettes um <laughs> how how out of character you know, yeah, ah. he, he, he was it's better when he's, he's calling out the, the you know the 
there's a actually a really fun tape when when he's getting angry when they're I think they're doing like a sound check, isn't he? He's really uh, uh, bringing it to one of the roadies, getting angry. So um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, it was an imbalance back then. But what I would say about Vinny's uh, contributions is that I guess he was right for a lot of the songs on Dynasty. You know, I was made for loving you. Sure know something. And a lot of the other stuff. He made those sound really good. But unfortunately, a song like Charisma, I would have loved to hear what Bob Esrin or uh, someone else could have done with that song, you know. Uh, that's really um, a mean sort of song to me, at least. I, I think it could have been real heavy and a lot more cool than it ended up on the album. So... Um, for for the softer song, he was the right guy, but he couldn't bring the edge when it came to the more, you know, hard rock songs. Careful what you well, wish for. They could have had Paul Stanley singing Charisma. <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, when I think about Vinny, um, obviously, yeah, they knew he had a, you know, pop background, so they knew what they were going to get. And they knew, <clears throat> I mean, Gene, Paul, probably Ace, they knew, hey, this is how he produced, you know, Peter Chris's solo album. So they knew kind of what production they're gonna, they were going to get. Um, but I think what really Finney brought was to maybe uh, finishing some of those songs uh, in a way where they use harmonies, a lot of harmonies and and background vocals in a different way that Kiss never did before. They they up to that point they had never had background vocals and, and harmonies in the way that they sang them on Dynasty or in Mast. Um, so I think he brought that, you know, a part of it to them. And I think, you know, Kiss probably thought, well, you know what? The Beatles had a lot of harmonies and background vocals going on. Let's be, you know, it's kind of, that's the kind of direction we wanted to go anyway. Um, at the beginning, have some of that stuff. So, but you know, I think it's a good. He, he he did his job. He did. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, no. he 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 did uh, a solid production job on on the album. I agreed. Well, let let's nail it down. Pick one. What is your favorite track off this album? What is this the one? If you're only allowed to ever hear one song off this album again, what's it going to be in your eternal playlist, Alan? That's too difficult. <laughs> That's way too difficult. Uh, it it would have to be I was made for loving you. Again, because it all started. It's a, it's a catchy song. It's a great song. There's nothing wrong with it. I uh, I've heard it a million times. I would hear it another million times. Even though when I was a kid, I remember I would I I really liked hard times as well. I really liked the drums. I really it was a catchy song. And um, so, it, of course, Vinny, I think, you know, he couldn't have made I Was Made Full of Vinny and then have eight or nine other tracks sounding like Larger Than Life or, mm. um, you know, harder, edgier stuff. The, the, the album has to be consistent. So all the yeah. other songs had to sound a bit like If I Was Made was the, the sort of the, the flagship song, then the other, the other ones had to follow. And some did better than others. I think I think Magic Touch sounds great. Save Your Love is a good song. It's an interesting song. X-Ray Eyes. Why not? 
Um, no, I'm not a big fan of Shorn or something, funnily enough. I think it, it, I got to like it after Unplugged. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I w- it would be a tie between I Was Made for Loving You and Hard Times, but maybe with a with the side A of the single. So that, that's an interesting perspective of the, the harmony of the sound, and that is a definitely what I think he did for Peter Chris's solo album, is that he took a lot of disparate recording, um, you know, lots of different musicians in, during different sessions worked on that stuff and made it all sound harmonious. So he was, you know, he was uh, Kiss's Feng Shui for bringing harmony to their audio. Uh, Ken, pick one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not too hard really for me. I mean, I, I like a lot of the songs on there. I mean, I had bought the the, the single "I Was Made for Loving You" when it came out before the album, and I used to listen. To, actually, I listened to "Hard Times" probably more. I used to flip it over and listen to "Hard Times" more yeah, than yeah. "I Was Made for Loving You." Me, um, me too. But um, and I think as far as you know, uh, "Sure Know Something" uh, that shouldn't have been the second single. The second single, in my opinion, should have been "Charisma." So I'm going with the uh, Mexican crowd, and <laughs> that's my <laughs> that is my favorite from the album. And that was the first song again. <laughs> I put on side two again. I, I I listened to Charisma. That was the first song I heard off the album because I played side two first. <laughs> what do you say to that? I mean, Daniel, what, what's going to be your one pick from this album? Well, if if Charisma would have been on Creatures of the Night or a Lick It Up or something, that would surely have been my pick. But as Alan said, you have to be consistent through the album. And I don't think really Charisma came up that great on Dynasty. I think it had a lot of more potential because that was one of the few songs. No, there's a couple, but 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 it's a, it should have been to me at least, uh, a bit more hard-rocking, and I would have liked to hear it on a different album. I like Charisma, but I, I have to go with the boring pick. I was made for loving you. I think it's a... I like the song. It's not boring. Though. <laughs> well, it's kind of a boring... It's, it's uh, you know, no surprise, you know. Yeah. But uh, I was made for loving you is, to me, a great song. But you have to actually look at, you know, Detroit 1990. That's the way it's supposed to be, to me at least, you know with the booms and, and, and all the uh, effects and the crunching guitars. And it works on Dynasty, but the way it's supposed to sound to me, Detroit 1990, any of the two concerts, what a great song. I want to give a shout out to um, the French French record company Vogue, who thought that Dirty Living would be a good second single. Mm. Um, I like the song. That was the only country I think that made Dirty Living side A instead of uh, instead of Sherno something. They also released the Magic Touch as a single. Oh, that's one of the, um, that's, that's one of the beautiful covers as well. Best let me find sleeve. it for you. Yes, right here. Great. Oh yeah. Didn't do didn't chart at all, but um, hmm. great song, great obscure song. You know when Paul played it on his solo tour, yeah. that was something. All right, so I guess I got to do my pick, and it's easy. Save your love. As mm-hmm. much as I love Sure Know Something, I think it, sure, sure Know Something is an exquisite Paul Stanley composition. If I'm going to listen to anything forever on this album, I want it to be rock and roll. 
I want it to be riffs. I want it to be ace. Um, and it's, I want it to be something that I can actually play on guitar. So <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, just Very because cool. it's pretty easy to play and uh, I can nearly sing along with it while I play, I'm, I'm going with the ace band. And, and that's not to denigrate anything else because it could easily be short of something. It could easily be charisma. Heck, it could easily mm-hmm. be x-ray eyes. There really aren't too many songs on this album that I don't like. Um, Magic Touch is one that's at the near near the bottom, I, I will say, which leads, really? which leads into the next question of least favorite song on this album. I'm going to go straight back at Daniel on that. Let's see now. Can can you go with the Gene Simmons songs once again? X-ray eyes. Charisma is a good one, but other than that, he did just didn't did he have any more songs. X-ray eyes. Just the two. Yeah, then I'll go with X-ray eyes. You know. I, I I knew I know Alan said he kind of liked it, but to me it does absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what the heck he tried to do, but but you have to explain it to me, Alan. What's good about that song? Because I don't get it. I think it's just plain awful, actually. Really? Uh, I love yeah yeah. You know we're different, <laughs> but 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 that's the one that stands out like a water throwaway to me. Uh, I don't know. I think you read too much Superman or something. I think the title is kind of <laughs> silly, and uh, I really don't like it. If it, I would like to hear, to hear something like God of Thunder or something um, in that, you know, mm. something like that. But X-Ray Eyes, ah, that's my pick. Ace Frehley's songs are good. Dirt Living is okay. Paul Stanley is great. But X-Ray Eyes, switch that for something else. All right, Ken, least favorite. You know what? The least favorite, I tell you what, um, I I just never understood this. I mean, it's fine. The song was good, done well, but I just never got it as some other people like it so much, I think. Um, And it's 2000, man. Um, But I thought, you know, why? Why even do that? He was on a successful writing, you know, you know, doing good writing at the time after a solo album. Uh-huh. New York Groove. <laughs> and I, I, I just never got it. I just never got. I, that's one song I can live without. Um, I thought to me it was the throwaway on the album. That's it. That's right. I, th- I thought it was more like maybe a, an attempt to emulate what had happened with New York Groove, except that they didn't use it mm. as a single on as an A side or a B side either. So they yes they did. Yes they did. Hold it? What do we got? Oh yeah, dirty yeah. UK. Duh. And it's actually Duh. it's a slightly different edit on there as well. So uh Really? Yeah. Don't okay. don't just buy vinyl, play it. Gotta play it. Hey. Yeah, play it. And I can't even remember what the difference is on there because there there are two songs on this album. Hard times. If you play uh, yes. the B side, is a different. That's right. Um, it's two not, seconds longer. Yeah, it's two got it's, it's yeah, got the Todd Accord at album, the end, the hard ending. Yeah, uh, which is missing yeah. on the album, which is a fade. So just some minor differences like that. I think the the edit on the uh, the 2000 man just had a couple of repetitions of part of it removed just to shorten it closer to the three minute mark all right so least favorite song did i do mine 
No, I didn't. No. Oh, God, that's going to be difficult. Hard times, actually. I always... What? Oh, I, no, 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 no. I never cared for that song. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I wrong, thought... Wrong pick. pick no, I, I, just, I just felt that on wrong the pick. album, there were two songs that really conflicted with each other, and it was Hard Times or Dirty Living. They were the same kind of story, the same... Basically the same song written from two different perspectives by two members of the band. And I'm not going to cut Peters from the album because that's his only contribution. Got to leave it there. So it's sacrosanct. I do like like the cover of 2000 Man. I think it fits perfectly. It makes sense what they were trying to do with it. You know, even if it seems a little bit lazy or maybe we would prefer to have a third Ace Frehley written song on the album. But then again, you think of Unmasked of what having three Ace Frehley songs gets you, and Too much there. you better have a cover instead, I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns on Hard Times. Uh, I'm not getting rid of X-ray eyes. Magic Touch would be the next lowest one, I, I think, for me on there. But I'm not getting rid of oh. something that I thoroughly enjoyed hearing when Paul toured. And I'm gonna shut up now before I say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think uh, Alan, you get the last pick on least favorite, don't you? Yes. Well, I'll be I'll be merciless then, and I'll drop a "Dirty Living" because that song never did anything to me. That's right. Yeah, that... So you, you can't drop it because it never did anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, just doesn't. Uh... That that's a throwaway. That's the throwaway of the album for me. "Dirty Living." Never liked it. No. Goodbye. You know, that song, uh, I didn't like it at the beginning when I first listened to the album. I, it was probably like my least favorite when I first, but over the years, I, I've liked it more and more and more. Um, I don't know what it is, but uh, it's that, that song has really grown on me more. Yeah, so so here's an interesting, before we talk about Unmasked, uh, you know, and, and do some of our favorites and just bullet points on that one. Peter came into these sessions with four songs. He'd gone into the studio in December and January, December 79, uh, 78, January 79 with Vinny and recorded the, the demos for Rumble, Dirty Living, Out of Control, and There's Nothing Better. Out of those four songs, which were obviously the songs he was bringing into the Dynasty sessions, do you think that Dirty Living was the right choice? If he was no. On, if he was no, only no. going to get one song out of those four. No. Okay, Daniel, then which one should it have been? If you listen to the demo of this song, I think it would have fit perfectly. Out of Control, I think, was a rocking, good f- song that would have fit the album perfectly. So I really like the demo of that one. I, I don't know if it came out that great on Peter's solo album, but the demo is just rocking. Nice. Alan, what about you of those four? Which one should it have been, or was it the right choice? I will confess that I don't know those demos. Okay. So it was the right choice. Ken. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know out of control. Um, I don't know. Again, like, you know, Dirty Living's kind of, like I said, growing on me. I, I'm going to stick with Dirty Living. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, Rumble's a throwaway. It's fun. You know, the first couple of dozen times you've heard it, but I don't think I've listened to it uh, very recently. Out of control. I, I kind of like where Daniel's coming from that, but maybe it was a little bit too good. Um. <laughs> That oh, it, conspiracy! Too good yes, for Peter to have a that song. that he could not have such a good song on. Save it. 
Yeah, and you know what? On, on Out of Control, I, I do love that song. And there's an alternative mix of it as well that's a bit heavier that I do prefer. There's nothing better. That's a, just a little bit pedestrian for me. You know, it, it's okay. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to go with Daniel and, and say Out of Control would have been better mm-hmm. than Dirty Living because wow. uh, it's it's a little bit less of a dynamic change. Dirty Living has a different beat, a, a completely different kind of style yeah, to yeah. it. Out of Control fits better in with a rocking album. So, and yeah. am I am I right? Am I right to assume this is on YouTube and I can go and listen to it later? Or yes, they, it's a bit they, more. Uh, come on, everything everything's on YouTube now, and uh, everything's on YouTube. Yeah. So and and I'll check. And and if check not, I do have a transfer of the reel, and it, that sounds way better than the YouTube crap. So yeah, we'll make sure you hear it. All right, let's go on to Unmasked, and there's only a few questions because we've talked quite a bit about that album already. But mm-hmm. do, you, do you think it was the right choice to stick with Vinny for this album, or does it make sense that Dynasty had been such a kick in the pants in terms of sales worldwide that there was no reason to go elsewhere, as the material that they were working on with him was obviously working with the public? Um, exactly. Yes. You, you sell millions of records, million, million singles. You, you, you keep that formula. That's, I think... I don't even think they would have had a choice from the record company, so I think it was it was it was obvious to to keep the the hit the hit maker. Why why would you change? I think they were very happy with that situation. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. So what is Alan? Let's stick with you on that. And what was your kind of reaction to, when you compare these two albums in terms of their material they sound very similar and because of the production uh stayed very yeah. similar same drummer again covering but I mean, to be to be fair at that age i'm i'm into kiss up to here anything they do <laughs> i loved <laughs> so I uh, I loved Shandy. I loved I, I loved the, the the whole album because yeah to to me it was it you at, at that age you know you 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 either like it or you don't and uh, and and I liked it it was catchy I loved Talk to Me was my probably my favorite song back then uh, I liked um, Two Sides of the Coin I liked I I, I loved the Shandy video again. You know, it's uh, to me it was the it was it made perfect sense. It was the right uh, the right second part, and it 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 was just uh, I I didn't know I didn't know anything else. So I I hook like an hook line and sinker. I I was totally into it. Very cool. And just to throw some more statistics, you know, we, we've talked about some of the sales in uh, different markets and, you know, the 171,000 dynasty moved in Mexico now drops to 75,000 for, you know, and that's over the first couple of years. That is not to date. So that is just immediate contemporaneous sales, which are, are more, I guess, important than stuff stretched out over four decades. Well, what did it do in Australia then? Australia, it went through the bloody roof because obviously Dynasty was 75 and Unmasked was well Number over... three in Australia. Yeah, but it was well over 200,000 units in that country, yeah. which had a population wow. of, what, 10 million. So that was insane. But in Canada, they went from 200,000 units of Dynasty to just 50,000 of uh, Unmasked. So Japan, 80,000 units. 
and and that was one of the high point markets for them when it came time for the elder the following year they were talking about the possibility of touring japan because the sales of unmasked and presumably what you mentioned earlier alan with dynasty had been so strong i need a copy of that memo right now (laughs) 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 so you know Uh, those are just some of them covers um this is okay this is july 1980 this is august 1980 so two two months in a row on the cover of music life magazine with the release of of unmasked i love that july one that photo shoot that is yeah. just, that is sick so ken for you i mean again you you've 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 played uh dynasty the wrong side first and did you do the same with Unmasked? And what was your reaction to that music when you first heard it? Yeah, I, I listened. I learned my lesson from uh, playing Dynasty uh, in the reverse. But um, I, I, I tell you what, I do remember. This is the difference between the two, and maybe it's it's the U.S. What happened in the U.S. Um, in the U.S., when I bought Dynasty, I bought it the day it came out. I, I pulled the record. It wasn't even on the shelf yet. I pulled it out of the box that was on the floor before he was even stocked into the shelf. Um, that. So <laughs> I had that right away. Unmasked, I didn't know when it was coming out. I, I, I didn't hear a lot of, I didn't see a lot of advertising here about it or anything. I didn't hear any singles leading up to it like you would normally hear. Uh, it was nothing. And one day I'm walking down an aisle and I always go by the kiss aisle and it was tower records and I walk in, I look at it and I like, you know, I wasn't expecting to see anything. <laughs> and, and I thought, what the hell is that? You know? And I, okay, well, <laughs> this is, I was looking at 1980. Okay. New album. I was like, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even hear about it. So I got it. Um, and it's probably, I'm going to guess I, I got it like a week after it came out or something like that because, uh, I hit the record stores, you know, every week anyway. So, um, and that the sound of the album, um, I, I saw the progression of it again. It was, it was more, more, uh, poppy, you know, than the, than dynasty. Um, I thought it was kind of too much too much what you want to call it reverb or echo compression going on on this one as opposed to dynasty even though it's you know produced well uh, otherwise um and even the first song you know when i first put on the is is that you i thought this this song doesn't this doesn't sound like kiss for that song that was like the first time i was like what was that but then after that if it felt more like kiss to me. Um, so it was, it was different. Uh, I don't think I liked it as much as dynasty, uh, but it was still some good, you know, catchy tunes on there. So was it too, was it, uh, for you? I mean, in, in Scandinavia, Daniel, I mean, obviously you weren't a fan of that time, but when you look back at the reaction in that area and your own reaction, how how does it compare and does it hold the test of time for you? Well, well to me it's clearly a sister album to Dynasty, but a weaker yeah. one, you know. Uh, kind of trying to emulate Dynasty but failing, you know. I, I think uh, they didn't have a 
good lead-off single like they had on Dynasty. They weren't really a standout song that they could uh, use to pull the album up the ranks, you know. But uh, and over here, if I would ask the average Joe here, he could never tell me a song of Unmasked. No way, <laughs> no way. And I actually remember being, you know, like 16 and uh, being at the height of my Kiss fandom and uh, going back through the catalog. Me, we were three friends that were like Kiss fans. They have moved on since. I haven't. <laughs> and uh, uh, we looked through the catalog. And I remember, I have a vivid memory of one of the guys saying, I, I mean, we bought everything and we listened through it together. It was quite fun. And then we came to Unmasked and, and we, we, you know, we played from start to finish. And then this guy, my friend, he just looked at me. Man, Kiss, they must have been like new kids on the block. You know, it's all looks. It's all looks. There's no music. <laughs> so that was the reference he gave me. And I kind of agree with him because they look great, look cool, but the music just didn't stand the test of time to me. Alan, is that fair? Uh, to me, I, I grew to like Unmasked a lot more. I really like the album. But, 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 when you put it in context in 1980 with what what the, what the other albums are coming out, that they, has, they don't stand a chance. There's this band called Iron Maiden that just released an album. New Wave. Uh, I think um, ACDC at Back in Black, 1980. Yes. Uh, Van Halen. Judas Priest, and then you kids just go, you can't listen to Unmask in that context. But if you put it out of the context, great songs. I I really like Unmasked, and I I love listening to it it, uh, nowadays. But when you're in an Unmasked mood, if if you're in a (laughs) 1980 mood, you, you, you know, shook me all night long, and back in black, and it doesn't, it's it's embarrassing. But... (laughs) In itself, in itself, Unmasked is a is a great album. If you, it's it's an acquired taste in a way. Yeah, come on. I mean, Living After Midnight or Shandy. I mean, come on. You want to, you kind of want to be Living After Midnight with Shandy, I guess. But you know, here's here's another memo from. Um, they they took this album to Holland uh, for a, a meeting with uh, all the phonogram phonogram brass and all all the important A&R people, promo people for Europe, because obviously the transition to phonogram is complete by that point. So April the 9th, 1980 in Amsterdam, Sinestra Hotel. And they played the following tracks to... What was the color of the carpet? uh, It was green. But, uh, of course, Peter Chris, sorry, couldn't couldn't help but go there. Uh, They they played several songs for the audience um, for a listening session. Naked City, Is That You, Talk To Me, Easy As It Seems, and Shandy. And, uh, quote, the meeting was very enthusiastic about the track Shandy, which is more ballad type of music and can easily be used worldwide. So there you go. It was the Phonogram Mm. Brass or whoever was at that listening show. And that was people from uh, Phonogram, also Stockholm, Hamburg, Brussels, Paris, Mexico, London, uh, barn and uh, wow and all that so that that you know that's amazing it, it's listening to that material you get five songs and that's the one 
that kind of jumped out and became the singer. Was Paul Stanley likely to not be happy about his song, his beautiful Shandy, being picked to be the single from the album? No, I, why wouldn't he be? It's a, it's a great song. Is it a Kiss song? I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily the best choice. When you, when you kick off an album with something like Is That You, it gives a false kind of representation of what the rest of the album is going to be like for me as a guy who got into the band later and went back and listened to it i put on that cassette is that you blasted through my little boom box i was giddy like i like this and then what follows shandy shandy <laughs> which 14 year old me and again not being a fan in 1980 and having the the sequence of changes as the band progressed my reaction was, what the hell is this? I mean, come on. You've got Metallica Ride the Lightning in 1985, and suddenly you're listening to Kiss go from Is That You, hard rock, into What the Rock? What the heck is that? Um, and then Fortune... The King of the Mountain to Shandy, you know, that's a hard, that, that, <laughs> hard one. That, that, that was tough. Shandy has never yeah. been one of my favorite songs. It has always been, you know, in the CD era and playlist era, usually a skip just be, because of my personal taste. I mean, is this is the material on this album more uneven than Dynasty or just does having 11 songs rather than nine make that unevenness a little bit more focused more obvious just too much material and i think the only the only time they've had too much material is on hot in the shade mm. this time around it was nice. just that it, it was a bit too poor material I, I i think they they didn't perform at the as they should have and the next album was even worse but then they got back to their roots mm. we will not speak badly about the elder thank you <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> okay, well, so stu stupid album. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, uh, the, you know, 11 songs, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's kind of inconsistent uh, yeah. material along the way. But uh, I think part of it, again, you know, they were obviously going for the hit songs, trying to trying to write hit songs. Um, but to me, they, re they released the wrong song first anyway. They should have released... Uh, tomorrow as the lead off single off of that yeah i agree That's, wow. in my opinion it would have oh. it would have charted and done better um it's just my opinion um because all their songs coming out around that time are like there you go are like tomorrow. are like um who is it uh, uh the cars for instance in 79 were pretty good that production maybe they should have had a different producer i don't know maybe they should have had a roy thomas baker or or a mike chapman producing them uh and try a little little change there with other music that is in that vein i guess sort of so i, I, think I don't know i think it could have been a good album if paul Stanley would have kept up you know the, the same amount of good songs that I had on Dynasty, but he 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 didn't he didn't perform this album. And Gene, it was almost like he he wasn't good at Dynasty. He sure as hell wasn't any better on Unmasked. Ace Frehley brought it. So if if they could have you know Ace Frehley did good songs the way we like. Ace Frehley songs, you no know, good rocking tunes. If Paul Stanley could have brought one or two good ones, and Gene Simmons maybe one, 
this would have been a, go- <laughs> a good album. But, but I think both Paul and Gene failed on this album. So that's a nice segue mm-hmm. in, into the question. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's let's ask the question of Unmasked, band member by band member, Paul Stanley. Mm-hmm. How is Unmasked for Paul, Ken? Um, you know, I'd well, say tomorrow I mean, so half, half and half. I mean, tomorrow's a great song. Uh, Shandy, yeah, Sandy's Shandy's a good song, but it's to me, it's not necessarily a good, great Kiss song itself. Um, I mean, what makes the world real ground? I can leave that one. That's not my, one of my favorites. Um, and then uh, Easy as it seems, I kind of. Kind of like that one, you know. It's pretty good. I like the way it, you know, rolls. But uh, you know, that's Paul Stanley. I mean, Gene Simmons. Uh, again, he only had two songs on this whole album, right? Out of eleven, uh, <laughs> which is nothing. Um, but Naked City, uh, is, to me, is a great song. Uh, I've always liked the song. Um, I think it's a just a great, well-written song, and he performs it fantastic. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, She's so European. Some people like it. So he has three songs. It. You're all that I want. Don't forget oh, that one. See, Don't, yeah. forget Don't forget that. Don't forget that. You're right. I forgot that she's so European. You're right. I blew that one. Um, <laughs> that was on the. That's the last song on the album, right? So. Um, what a clue. It's yeah. The demo's better on that one. Yes, so there's better versions of that. I agree. I heard that demo. Uh, but uh, I like so European. I thought it was a catchy kind of tune. Um, some people don't like it. Some people think it's just blah. But I thought it was okay. But Naked City would be the good one. Otherwise, Ace Frehley, maybe too much of an ace on this one. A little bit too much. Uh, I think yeah. I think the problem with Gene is he, there, there, there wasn't any contrast in his songs. You know, he had uh, soft songs. If he could have switched one of the songs for, for more, you know, like a demon character song, I would have liked it better. But it, but but he went off the rails, you know. Uh, started with the '78 solo album, and then he just continued that stretched through Dynasty and uh, except Charisma and Unmasked. I think he should have, you know, one or two more tougher songs. I think it would have suited him better. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean. With Gene on this album, I I think You're All That I Want, Shandy, and Tomorrow is too much of the lighter kind of side of Kiss on one album. Uh, that we don't have a really kind of demonic Gene song. Um, You're All That I Want, I don't like anyway, which, you know, doesn't help. And it is not a great way to finish an album. It, it's like a it whimper, whimpers out at, at the very last track. When you start with Is That You on the first side, you start with Tomorrow on second side. I mean, those are both dynamic mm-hmm great ways to kick off each side of the album uh, you know you're finishing the a side with what makes the world go round, which is one of my all-time favorite you know paul songs anyway i love that one it's a, again a dynamic end and then it's just like a whimper at the end torpedo girl which is i love it and i hate it i mean it, it's yeah. it, it's yeah. it's so ac uh that it's it kind of belongs there but going from that silly into wimpy wimpy demon you know the de- I mean, it's like it's like the the glycerin teardrop in a world without heroes. Demons mm-hmm. don't cry. Well, demons don't kind of whimper either. Oh, you're all that I want. You're all. And no, that is not. De- demons do not do that. Well, Julian, maybe uh, he should have saying. Maybe Gene should have saying, "Is that you?" Maybe that would have worked better. 
I don't know about that, but you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. You know, looking at Ace's songs on here, I mean, I, I just did a podcast on Sunday about Unmasked. I can't even remember what I was I was talking about. Some of those points that I made about these songs then, you know, talk to me is a cool song musically let down by some lyrical sections for me but then again we're talking about kiss i gotta keep reminding myself that you know <laughs> we're, we're 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 not into dickens here this is kiss um two sides of the coin again great musically there are some parts of it lyrically that i think are just lame torpedo curl fantastic musically but kind of silly so I think I said it, that Dynasty, two A songs and an Ace cover would probably have been the way to go. Get rid of one of these songs and replace it with a cover. And they had some stuff. And and Ace certainly had some stuff. And they talked about, in 1979, I think it was, they talked about an Australian band. Or maybe that's a little bit later. But there were certainly options for other covers than Is That You. I, I've never understood why that is on the album when when you have Tomorrow. It just it boggles the mind. So, yeah. Paul stuff. Again, Paul usually wins for me, and in this case, Paul is the winning songwriter on the album just because of what makes the world go round. And easy as it seems, I absolutely adore. So, weird, weird stuff. Alan, did you get get a, a perspective in on the band members and their contributions? Band members. Um, I just want to, in in defense of Shandy, <laughs> looking at. Uh, <laughs> Looking on from the perspective of a of a young kid in 1980, the video was, you know, they're they're going on stage. There's the woman hiding, trying to see their faces. They're going back to the dressing room. They're taking off the costumes. They're going out. She says kiss, and they turn. That is, on an emotional level, <laughs> the coolest thing you could see when you were when you were seven or eight years old. So I just wanted to point that out. Then, uh, musically, I think, uh, yes, it's, it's, uh, it's a tie between Paul and Ace. Um, Paul, as you said, Tomorrow, great song, uh, easy, easy as it seems. Ace has uh, two sides of the coin. Talk to me. They're, uh, they're I think, the, um, the, the, the great one. But, again, my fav- one of my favorite Gene songs of all time is Naked City. It is just a, a out of character. He sings very differently. The music is, is it's a different kind of, uh, of, uh, of song. I don't think he, he wrote the, the music so much, a lot of co-writes. But um, it's, uh, it's, again, a very, um, very well-balanced album, I think. And I do well, like, I do like the, the Easy As It Seems demo better than the, than the, the final version, like, like you mentioned. What demo? Easy It Easy as it, um, you're all that I want. Sorry. Okay, I was gonna say a demo of that. I've not heard. Wow. So, <laughs> sorry. Yes. Not the I, other. I, no, I, I agree that na- Naked City is a beautiful song, but you can't have all Naked City songs on an album. It's much like Going Blind is a great song, but if it would yeah. have every Gene song on that album sound like Going Blind, it would have been terrible. So Fair Naked enough. City is good as it as a, as a one song, but then you have to contrast that with other parts of the demon character but he has mm. went and did similar stuff but that's the best one of the ones he, he has on yes on, on the daniel everything can't be fits like a glove <laughs> <laughs> well it's a, I, I'm too early praying, too early <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm not uh, a believer but i'm praying for for him playing that this weekend you know that would be huh? 
Good luck. Awesome. He's been, yeah, he's played it a few times, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping was, for it. He was already dating Diana Ross at that time, right? Yes. Yeah, on that time, yeah. So I think I think that played a lot in his I'm tired of the demon thing. I think he was trying to impress her with the with the song writing and the and the singing. I, I always wondered about that. that well, she she got in trouble, didn't she? Because one of her albums that came out soon after she was dating uh, had some kind of harder edge stuff than was usual from her wheelhouse, and she got savaged that the demon was making her change <laughs> and vice versa yeah, in, in the Kiss funny. world. I mean, that's just that's there just hilarious. Go. All right, let's uh, we're we're going very long here, and I do have a yeah. plane to catch. So let's uh, pick our favorites from Unmasked, and because it's got 11 songs, and Alan grunted at me when I said only one for Dynasty, uh, your, your, your favorite two from this one to take to the desert island with you. Alan, let's start with you on that. It will, oh man, that's hard. Can I take three? <laughs> Go ahead. Take three and call us in the morning. Okay, tomorrow, Naked City, and um, talk to me. Good picks all. Daniel, what would be your three takeaways from this album? I have to pick three. Isn't two enough? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can do what you want. There are no rules. Okay, I'll, I'll take two then. Uh, the first one would actually be Tomorrow. I think it's a great tune. And the other one would be a, a, an Ace song, I'd say. Uh, Hard Times, is that on Mask? Yes, it is. Hard Times? No, that's not nope. Dynasty. Dynasty. Oh! Uh, tell me another song from Ace on Unmask. Talk to I me. Know Talk to me. No, two, sides. Sides. two sides no, of the three coin. Sides of Torpedo girl. Two sides of coin. So, I just made a slip there. <laughs> no, he hasn't actually got any good songs. So I'll say tomorrow, Meg, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to go with Naked City. As you can tell, I haven't listened to Unmasked that much. Okay, Ken. Is it going to be three sides of the coin or two sides of the coin? <laughs> actually, boy, but neither of those. All right. Um, it's going to be uh, tomorrow and uh, Naked City. Um I, I just want to read one a little quick review or quote on the uh, uh, from a review back on, on Unmasked at that time, just while I have it here. Um, all right, here we go. The whole album suffers from the same coding of pop and begins to feel like or less like Kiss and more like more and more like a car full of guys who want to pull over and ask for directions back to rock and roll. Wow. Ouch, ouch. Yeah, ouch. that was a that was a tough one there. So anyway, I noticed that when I'm doing my research. But anyway, so Naked this, City and uh, Tomorrow. There you go. So that's the Japanese single, Tomorrow Side A, Naked City Side B. That's with, a great single. With one of, per- with, perfect single. With probably one of my favorite photo of the band with Eric Carr. That's a good one. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good single. It's tomorrow. it's the next single in the Japanese catalog that was one of my all time favorite ones. Easy as it seems. Oh yes. Well, easy as it seems. Talk to me. No. Talk uh, to me easy as it no. I thought, yes. I thought there was one after that, and I, I don't. I don't have time to check right now. I think easy as it seems is the B side or whatever <laughs> the cover song? was. All right. So if I've got to pick some songs, wow. Um, Naked City. I'm gonna go with the Demon for one. And when we talk about the Vault, Naked That's City right. is my bigot. That I love that. That is my That's- favorite. That's Talk to Me, Easy as It Seems. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the correction. That is a wonderful cover. Okay, getting back to Naked City. Everything that I love about The Vault is the, the, the material that they have. 
this is one of the songs that is missing from the vault that I really, really think should have been on there. There must be some reason why it could not be included. But uh, in the way that Bob Kulik has said that Ace wasn't able to do what he had heard in his head for the guitar on the song. So that's not a criticism of Ace. It's just that he didn't play what one of the, the song's writers heard in his head for the song. So I would have loved to have heard exactly what it was Bob was playing for that song and to contrast with what was released on the album. Now, what was released on the album is a darn good song, a very <laughs> interesting, um, you know, slightly different demon. That's where it does work for me. The the other songs, I'm going to go with three. Again, I've already mentioned What Makes the World Go Round. Absolutely just always loved that as a Paul Stanley rock song. And even though I, I would love to go with Easy as it seems, because I really do adore that one as well, I've got to go with Tomorrow, which is just one of the perfect pop songs written by Paul Stanley. It was really him finding a perfect arrangement, a perfect form. And again, it's been said on the show, it's been said on other shows and other podcasts. Probably should have been the first single from the album, and I think it would have had a far better response than the tepid Chandy. It's just a shame that that April 1980 meeting when they played yeah, songs... Yeah, let's get the names of those execs. Yeah, they, well, they didn't have the full album. It wasn't completed. Ah. At the time that uh, that material was played, according to, it's like a seven-page memo of everything that was done for planning the tour that was supposed to start rehearsals in Oslo on the 14th of May that year, which obviously did not happen. Um, so it, it was all about promotion for the album, the tour the, that, that ended up being canceled, and the album wow. wasn't even completed. So, you know, a very interesting memo. So those those are my three picks on it. Um, last question before we wrap up. Dynasty or Unmasked, which album you're allowed to pick one over the other? I'm going with Dynasty. It's, it's just too easy. Daniel? I go. Dynasty, of course. Ken? Yep, Dynasty for me. Mm. <laughs> this is one that's a- gonna be... Alan's been given the opportunity to be contrarian. This is going to be a hard one for him. <sighs> oh, man. Too hard to answer. No, actually, I would probably pick Unmasked. You would? There you go. What is, what, what, the... the cover? Why? <laughs> well, you know... The cover. It, 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 it was one of my yeah. first uh, attempts yeah. at, lear- at learning English, you know. What do they oh, say? Okay. What are they saying? What are they saying? No, I think for the music, the music uh, variety, um, I think it, um, Dynasty is probably stronger um, and more compact. But I like the variety in, on, in Unmasked. And I, I, listen, I remember listening to Unmasked a lot as well. Mm-hmm. I listen to both a lot. But I don't know. I have, I have a... I have a special base for for Unmasked as well. Yeah. See, I'm a very sentimental guy. That's how it should be. Aren't we all? Everything should be wrapped up with memories of our lives. These, again, are the soundtracks of our lives, whether or not they get yes, played. Yes, they are. They, they were a part of it at one time. So I, I think that's Excellent. final thoughts. I'm going to load up both Dynasty Unmasked on my iPod for my flight and uh, give those a little listen on the short hop. Um, should be just about long enough. So... That's that's it. What are your thoughts out there about these two albums, the production, the songs, all the questions that we've asked each other today about those albums? Where do they fit for you? Where do they fit in your ranking of the catalog? I mean, everyone's different. And again, as Alan said there, you know, memories are attached to each one of these. So I guess for now, we'll wrap it up. 
while Daniel points his camera at the sun and blinds everyone. Uh, <laughs> oh no, his thumb was off the lens. There you go. Nice try, Daniel. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll see you next time. So from Daniel, from Alan, from Ken, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll see you wherever we see you. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.